0: Tank, how are we, sir? How uh, how was the weekend?
1: It was good, mate. Really sunny. Football back, unbelievable games. Forest win. <laughs> um, comments of chaos, I'm, we're going to delve right into it today. <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest, Like,
0: I, don't get me wrong, I, this uh, this hour that we spend is, is one of my favourite hours of the week, but this one in particular feels like, it's a shame, first of all, that Jimmy can't be with yeah. us, because um, I'd say we'd, we'd definitely have some crack with him, uh, but there's so much that happened in the weekend's worth of football, we also get the added benefit that Liverpool don't play to tonight, so they yeah. couldn't ruin it for us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But yeah, special shout out to Jimmy, who has been keeping us uh, updated with the antics of his holiday. And Mm -hmm. uh, he won't mind me sharing that at some point they were at an all-inclusive holiday resort, very family friendly. And he was sending us live pictures of two very giddy mums who got a bit carried away and were there. doing like a strip tease I think on the stage. Well, are are you allowed
1: to call them mums Jamie or you allowed to say mums or you know primary caregivers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it
0: was funny because that's definitely something we're going to get into it, exactly. as in, what are we allowed to call people these days? I was listening to Graham Sugnes this morning and it literally had got to the point where he's like, you know, the foreign lads that come across to the Premier League and then he went, "Hold on. Am I allowed to say foreign? You can see that the poor fella is just everyone's yeah. on bloody uh, on uh, on hooks trying to Trying yeah. to uh, avoid being cast aside for for
1: some of the things that you say. It's a it's a mad world out there, mate, isn't it? The world's composite. I mean, honestly, you are you're terrified. Like you know, so what what are you allowed to say now? I mean, I mean, we're going to talk about. Let's be honest, mate. You're not
0: particularly censored at this point, are you?
1: <laughs> no, it, I mean, them rules don't apply to me. You know, because I just <laughs> see myself as a common sense person. I don't care if you're a man, woman, whatever you are. Steady. It just doesn't affect me. But if I like something, I'll watch something. If I don't like something, I'll say, that shit, that. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're a man or a woman. Like We've had this conversation about the women's, and they've done great in the summer. It was brilliant for the women's game, and I hope it goes on from strength to strength. I found it poor quality, and I didn't watch any of it. That doesn't mean that I don't like women. It I just don't like I don't like that pro- project. But I spoke about it with the UFC when Amanda Nunes fought Penny, and I was like, this was probably one of the greatest fights I've ever, ever seen in my life. Two women having the right era, but we're we not allowed to say two women have. Anyway, I'm going on one. Yeah,
0: hold that thought. Hold, yeah, that, hold thought. that thought because we will we will definitely come back to it. And we've got loads of questions that have come in from from listeners. So um, so that will definitely all be um, intertwined into some of those. But I want to kick off before we dive into the football, and I'm mad keen to get into the football. It was the 30th anniversary of the Premier League um over over the weekend. Um and what a weekend to celebrate it with all the action yeah. that went on. But from from obviously a, a player's perspective, a fans perspective, have there been any particular highlights for you in terms of Premier League memories?
1: I mean it's that many and I mean it has been an absolute you know it has been the greatest invention and about to, to football oh, the way it's yeah. just been they took it from like we all loved football but this is now it's it's theatre for me now. It's like, hmm. you know, we would have thought back in the day you'd have sat for an hour and a half and watched people talk shite about football in the studio? But it's like you're gripped by, and it's just become a complete entertainment package. And, and people like us talk shite about it for 45 minutes. Exactly. As but that's well. what I mean. It gives you something <laughs> to talk about. I mean, some of our podcasts today will be talking about what's being said in studios after games and that. And it's yeah, like, exactly. it's, it's brilliant. So there's been that many, mate. I mean, I always remember the one where Teddy Sheringham cut in, and it was against Liverpool, wasn't it? Yeah, when he cuts in corner. and he smashed it in the top corner. One of my favourite moments, and it always has been, was the. Uh, I always forget his first name. Was a Philip Albert, the Dink against Man United. Dink, United? Absolutely loved it. I, mean, I can even I picture that... his celebrations. Yeah. Mad how these things yeah. are like <laughs> intertwined in your brain. Yeah, there's there's been that many. I mean, you know, you've got your own stuff, but the Philip Albert, it's always stuck with me. That like, you know, just the way, and you think, what's he going to do? Is he going to, and then he's just dinked it, and the fact that he thinks someone as as you know. Good as Schmeichel, he was one of the greatest that's ever played in goal. That's always been one of my favourite moments, that
0: it was a great goal and Schmeichel nearly made the theatre even better because if I remember right he didn't even put his arms It was kind of like he was <laughs> defeated all ends <laughs> up and he you knew that he'd be feuding oh yeah
1: yeah the anger no... that, that's what made it because Schmeichel was an angry cat and he was, you knew yeah. that inside he was like I am going to fuck you in, his, in the yeah.
0: <laughs> there's no there's no greater insult as well than, than chip and a goalie I actually oh, remember I don't, no. I don't know if I told you this Um, it was when I went so I'd gone to to, to Blackburn um, and it was first training session with them and you know you don't want to you want to do well but you don't want to be a prick you don't want to get on the wrong side of the lads but anyway the the session had been going well and I was a little bit giddy and we finished with some shooting practice and i didn't know that it was a rule that if you try and dink the keeper and fail he's allowed to pick up the ball and basically (laughs) volley it over into the house of the state so anyway i dinked it and i nearly got him to be honest but he got the ball. Give me the biggest death stare you have ever seen. And he volleyed the ball over about three fields into house in the estates. Yeah. and the rule is you've got to go got and get together. the ball. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, that was a good one. I, I would say my, some of mine would be, it has to be the Liverpool-Newcastle games, those four yeah. threes. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. Like particularly the first one, I think I remember I was away on a football tour. Actually, I think I would have been about 10 or 11. I must have been around then. And it was just iconic commentary. Liverpool were a bit manic the way that Newcastle played with Asprea up front and Ginola. It was just, it was end-to-end. And then I I always had a bit of a soft spot for Collymore. I think we've, we've said this on past yeah. co- uh, podcasts at that age. And you remember the iconic commentary, Liverpool were rushing. It looked like there wasn't a pass on. And then all of a sudden, I think it was John John Barnes yeah. rolled it yeah. out and it's Collymore closing in and he, he smashes it in. Just yeah. oh, absolutely iconic. And then, um, yeah, I'm pr- trying to think of s- some of the other ones. You've got I, I love the tunnel bust up, and we're gonna come on to, to, to yeah. bust ups uh later on. The the keen bust up with Vieira and he, yeah. you know what I mean. They'd add a pop at Gary Neville, and he's like, Let's see what you say out there, yeah. and just like it just gets the hairs standing up, you know, yeah. it's it's proper, proper theatre, and then a random one, which only the Liverpool fans will probably appreciate. Liverpool beat Arsenal, I think it was 4-0 a few years ago under Brendan Rodgers when they were just a bit mad and they had Suarez up front with uh, Sterling and Sturridge. And Liverpool... Bashed Arsenal in the first 15, 20 minutes with some of the most ridiculous football. we scored yeah. three or four goals within that opening sort of 20, 25 minutes. It was when Suarez scored, nearly scored the greatest goal that never was the volley that hit the post from the yeah. edge of the box. And I just remember, I actually was laughing when the goals went in because the standard of football and it's the ridiculous. excitement that yeah. day was that will uh, that will definitely live long in the memory. There's just too many to pick from, though, yes. really. The isn't?
1: Aguero moment's a big one as well, isn't it? Yeah. That's another the, one, you know the the you know that's another big moment of the Premier League history. meaning, you know, that
0: how can was... you settle a Premier League title like that? The last kick oh, of the game, two in uh, you know two rivals within the same city, but you just couldn't write it. And again, I as much as I don't like Martin Tyler, iconic commentary, iconic commentary, know, yeah. yeah, massive massive moment. So, um, this weekend's football. We're going to start with uh, the, a club very close to to your own uh, heart, which is is Nottingham Forest. I have to say, you must you must be buzzing. The atmosphere in the stadium that looked absolutely unbelievable.
1: Oh mate, it, it is, and I knew it was going to come like that because it's been a long time coming. And you are seeing like this, you know, the the stand and it's got uh, risen, you know, the, like the back. And you know, I've been watching videos this morning of it. Uh, the miss rolling in from the trend honestly and you get hairs your hair stand up it's like look it's a proper club it is it's a massive massive club nottingham forest and it's been away from the premier league for far too long and you know what i love more than you know the result was great um i thought Forest were absolutely outstanding the first half i did i thought they were they were unbelievable i knew they were going to tie because it was hot out there and you was just like can they keep up this intensity and you know they rolled the luck at times but do you know what's making me even more happy? And it's like I'm really enjoying it in Twitter is the amount of signs that they're making and the other rival fans are like <laughs> really angry over this. And I'm like, it's brilliant. And I keep poking them saying, I've just done my bike for an hour there and Forrest haven't signed anyone. stuff pissed <laughs> off here. But they, look, they're, they're coming in, they're making a splash and it's going to be a difficult place to go, honestly. Do you know when all of these players gel and the the, the click... The city Ground is going to be a difficult place for anybody to go and turn Forest over. It's funny. I am. Um,
0: look, I, I always love clubs with history,
1: but I can't say I had,
0: just being honest. I can't say I had any particular affiliation with, with Nottingham Forest. I mean, why would I? You know, oh, yeah. it's, it, it, yeah. like you obviously, you've played with them and, and loved the club. Whereas because of our friendship, I realized yeah. very quickly yesterday, I was like, hold on. I actually, I was cheering when the goal yeah. went in. I was like hold on what's happened? It's kind of like I'm building a bit of a, a a second team love for Forest. And I have to say look outside of looking in it kind of felt like that was that was the city's chance to stand up and and make a statement. The fans yeah. before the start of the game, it's like we're back. And um, I think it was the skipper had said at the end of the game, "Look, if we're to to be successful in this league, we're going to need the fans, and we're going to yeah. have to give them reasons to cheer." And I, I I thought, like you, first off, I thought they were excellent. I mean, West Ham had chances, but you know that that that's going to happen. One thing I have to say, um, and I want to come back to the signing thing in a second. Richard Keyes, so first uh, uh, knob of the day, if you want, um, Richard Keys' comments, yeah. uh, I, I put them up on our Twitter account post-game, yeah. he came out with such negative, unnecessary comments, something to the tune of, well, you know, Forrest yeah. basically got away with one here, it's not going, I'm paraphrasing, obviously... <laughs> Uh, you know, Forrest got away with one here. It's not going to be that easy on another day. It could have been 4 1. So basically, enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah. What Is, am I missing? Something has something gone on between Forrest and him for him to be like needlessly negative like that?
1: I just think he's like an insignificant man now. He, 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 and he has to do these like uh, controversial comments just to try and be out there. I mean, I really used to, I used to like him, I used to think him and Andy Gray were great together, but like some of the comments what you see from now, he's just like, he's all, he's like bitter and... He's out of touch. Yeah, you kind of like, if we're going to go down that road where, you know, enjoy this while you can, Forrest Well, What's the let, point of
0: football? Like, it's, it's that's not, what we live well,
1: for. <laughs> let's go to the team who we support last week at Fulham. We were dis- born and disgraceful, we should have got beat. So hmm. Does that mean that, like, okay, Liverpool, the title's over? You might as well wrap the season up now because you were that bad against Fulham, it's finished. Enjoy this draw while you can, it's game over. No, hmm. you know, Forest were way on top in the first half of West Ham, way on top. You know, when it's just the, the the lacking of a little bit of quality in the final pass, um, in the final third, but that'll come. They've signed another three players who could come in and make a huge difference. They've got Dennis from, um, Wofford, who scored 10 Premier League goals in a poor Wofford side last season. I like the business, what Forrester do, and I really do. So I just thought his comments was just like, so does he think this is as good as it's going to get, this one game? It's like, no, you don't know the club. You don't know the history. Very very odd. Yeah, I found it
0: very odd. And I suppose the other thing that you've got to take into account as well, I mean, you'll be able to to sing to this tune more than anyone else. The emotional... um, uh, you know, the, the emotional factor. So these players, the build-up, they're back in the Premier League, the, the the stadium was hopping. I assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, there must be at some point an emotional, uh, an adrenaline dump. So you have this, you know, unbelievable yeah. first half. What's that like as a player tank? Because you know it's a big occasion. There must become times in the game where there's a bit of a lull and you have to kind of ride
1: that out a little bit. But that's, yeah, exactly. And that's why I think that the players and the manager need a lot of credit, to, you know, to what this idiot's been saying. Like, you know, Forrest was superb the first half, and as you say, the adrenaline's pumping, the crowd are unbelievable, as players, and Steve Cooper, the manager, would have known that there is going to be a dip, West Ham are going to come into this, West Ham are a quality Premier League side, by the way, you're not yeah. talking about like a Bournemouth or a Fulham who's just come up with you, this is an established, you know, competing, in, fight, Europe competing well. in Europe, you know, this is a top side, West Ham in the Premier League, so... What did Richard Keyes think? That they were just going to come over and Forrest was just going to swamp all over them and win three, four, five. No, football doesn't work like that. I thought Forest showed the quality in the first half to say I think that the Forrest are going to be okay in this league. And then they showed the battling qualities in the second half. Yeah, they wrote a bit of luck and they, you know, they missed the penalty. But is that not what they've signed the keeper for from Man United? He's a quality keeper to come in and make these big saves at big moments to get your points. That's the reason they signed them.
0: So well, we had a couple of questions actually that come in around some of those points. So, um, and the the first one, I suppose, is is around something that you touched on: is the volume of signings. Saborn so Red asked, "Are you worried that Forest have made too many signings and and there's too much change? And how I suppose, how long will it take for for those to bed in? Because it is pretty much like they're playing Championship Manager and they've just splashed as much cash as as possible. It's a it's a lot of players to bed in.
1: It's it is. But on the flip side, it was needed. I think I think Forrest lost eleven players last season either via loan uh, recalls and uh contracts not renewed. So there was always going to be a big turnaround. What people need to realise is Forrest have not been in the Premier League for twenty-three years. So you know, they've had some really difficult times. Like the year we won the league, we get in the Premier League the chairman decided to flog all of our better players and kind of left us way short. And, you know, we never signed anyone really. You know, we we, we were shopping in the lower tier where we shouldn't have been. So it's been really difficult. So as a Forest fan now, you've got an owner who's come in and just said, right, we're back in the Premier League. Here's the checkbook. You go and build a squad, what you think will keep us in the Premier League. The 15, 16 signs, and I, I don't think it's finished. I don't think it's finished yet. I think there's going to be two or three more it could be as many as 19 signs it's a hell of a lot of silence it's a hell of a lot of turnaround but i go to the manager steve cooper and what he done and what i know he's done from people who speak to with the club and he generated this atmosphere when he come in it's like a happy place a place what's buzzing where you want to come into work prior to that the place you know it was it was glum and he's created this atmosphere and he does the Klopp thing at the end of the game. I don't know whether you've seen that yesterday. Yeah, he's got one. like he's got everything. The whole city and the whole club, it's all vibrant. So yeah, it's a lot of signings. They need time to bet in, but I think they've got the perfect manager to suit that club and he will gel these signings in. You know, that was a big win. That was I think I think it's Bournemouth next. I think. So, you know, if you get a little bit of momentum and you go and get a result of Bournemouth. You know you can build, and the atmosphere of creating the players will come in. They gel. It will take time, but it's a lot of signing, Jamie. But it it was needed. It it was needed.
0: So we're gonna we're gonna move on from from Forest, and uh, we're gonna go to the Battle of the Bridge next. Yeah. Um And I think we're we're very much in tune on this. How good was that bit of needle yesterday? It feels like it's been missing for a while. And it felt like a proper game there. Oh, do you know what
1: it was? <laughs> It was like a throwback, wasn't it? You know, like, yeah. it was because for me this season, the best thing what's happened is the, the referees are allowing the game to flow a little bit. You know yeah. these you know these free kicks, what are like, is it, isn't it? They can't, it's just like, it, isn't. On it. Yeah, And you know on the big thing what I've noticed as well, and I, I can't remember which, I don't know whether it was Carragher touched on it yesterday. The rolling around and the theatrics are kind of stopped because they're not getting the free kicks and the ref's like, yeah. get up. Yeah. And it's like yesterday I was sat there and I was like, this is football now. Yeah, we've got, this, yeah, this we've got is football it. back. Here, yeah, 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 yeah. This is football. You know, we we're, we're kind of back to where it, it was, and then you've got the managers, out it. I mean, some game mate. <laughs> See, it's funny because you could you could
0: feel it bubbling up, and I. I have to say, I love Conte. He's just a—he's like a Bond villain. I don't know whenever because yeah. I was watching it with my son yesterday, and I was like, you wouldn't fancy—you wouldn't fancy it with Antonio Conte. He'd be the no. type. Of, he'd, he'd bite your kneecaps off or yeah. something, mad like him. He's—he's he's, uh, yeah. As I said, he's a bit of a Bond villain. But you are looking at that, and look, I—I I think football has become diluted for for far too long. And this isn't me saying that I want to see fights every week. Not at all. I'm just saying I want to see passion. I—I I, I like anybody that knows me. I just love people that are passionate about things. If you care about something, then sh- show it. And I, and I, I want to see managers with passion. I don't like players that come out and do these interviews where it's stock answers and, you know, they're, they're media trained within an inch of yeah. their life. It's it's why you look at the likes of, I don't know, Declan Rice or Connor Cody, when they talk, they're very articulate, normal people. You can relate to them. And I, I think that's what fans, you know, we want to we see. And, and you definitely got to see that side that K- Conte's a winner. You know, he does yeah. not want to give an inch in anything, and Tuchel is exactly the same. That for me is two elite managers who deeply care about their clubs and are passionate about winning that match. It's it's
1: refreshing. It's brilliant. I mean, it's like when it all cost. You know, and it, it it that was one of the best games I've seen for a long time of football. You know, when we've seen some good games, but as you say, there you've got two managers who you kind of felt there was. I was praying there was going to be another equaliser because once <laughs> you know once Chelsea scored and then Tottenham, you were like they were at each other, and you were like, "Oh, okay." I yeah. wonder what will happen if another one goes in. You kind of thinking when he went down the thing. Did you if did you see Conte's Instagram post? Yeah, it made it even better. I mean, that was actually the best thing about it. Yeah. <laughs> I should have yeah. tripped him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see him. I wish I'd tripped and like laughing yeah. emojis. It's like, you know, that's you know, imagine the Spurs fans that they'd be like fucking brilliant. him, how yeah. good's this as our manager. And he's doing a little. We've just spoke about Steve Cooper and what he's doing for us, but he, I think Spares are going to be a little. Um, they're going to be a problem for this for this league because you just felt yesterday. I thought there was always a goal coming. I just thought these are going, these are going to nick one, and then you've got. I know going off case here, but I put him. That was the best goal drag I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what the
0: fuck? Yeah, I was going to say got everything. I- how, how have VAR looked at that? So I actually heard something this morning that supposedly pulling hair is not um, against the rules. Now I'll have to double check that, but, but uh, it was actually Simon Jordan that said it this morning um, that supposedly letter of the law, but is that is not violence conduct, which I don't know about you. Maybe it's because there's not that much long hair knocking around. I find that absolutely mad because how can you look at that and, Basically, just go play on, lads, and from the the resulting corner,
1: you get the oh, like you just couldn't write the drama. I think I think that's why the game used to be so talked about because it, it did have everything. It, yeah, it, it had a, it had a mad skull drag, <laughs> and then they've actually scored from that corner. From and did, corner. did you see that Romario to James when it went in as well? Right, right in his is, face, right? screaming. I and mean, he's horrible in. He's, yeah, In the
0: best possible way. It, you could see it actually nearly... It, so it started with him and I think it was Havertz. Yeah. And the two... I think Carragher actually called it out in commentary. He said, he'll get him back because Havertz had a bit of a tantrum. Yeah. And he was like, R- Romero, we'll get him back. And next yeah, time got he him. got the ball, yeah. got him back. And it just built... From then, yeah. and uh, yeah, I, I'm similar to you. I, I think with Spurs from a footballing sense, I actually thought they were a little bit disappointing. I felt yeah. Spurs had go there and get the results, but I, I don't think they were firing on all cylinders. But you always feel with that front three or those you know, that front three that, that they're going to get opportunities. And whilst I don't think they were at their best, they'll probably take more from the fact that they weren't at their best and they were able and to grind a out a result yeah. because. You know, we, we've we always said that Spurs have got a bit of a soft underbelly, but it seems like that's not the case now with Conte there. That.
1: Well, that, that's the thing, mate. I mean, that Spurs have been renowned for being a soft touch, and that, for me, yesterday's kind of put that to bed a little bit. Uh, you know, a ninety fifth equaliser, they'll probably get, it sounds tough to say, but they'll probably get more out of that than a win. You know, if they went there and won 2-0 and, you know, played great, it's like, yeah, we played great, but they've gone there, not really played well against a top side like Chelsea and grinded out. And cause chaos out of the fight. It's like spares changing and we'll be buzzing.
0: Now, there's two there's two things that I want to touch on before we move on to, uh, to United. And I'm trying to think of the best way for us to do this, right? So we'll go Graham Sooness first. Um and it was there was comments made uh post match from Graham Soonas, uh where he's probably been saying some of the similar things to us in that we nearly feel like we've got football back a little bit. The contact was back, you know, and and he's come out with comments where he's basically called it uh, a man's game. Uh, We've got our game back. and as, As I said, look, he's talking about the contact. He's talking about the physicality. But online there has been a lot of reaction to the fact that he has referenced that that match has been A man's game. I have my own opinions, which I'll give in a minute. But I want to get your initial reaction to the reaction about him uh, calling it a man's game because let's just say it's been negative in some quarters online.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a man's game. So that's you know there was there was men playing football yesterday. So is that not a man's game? In the summer in the women's Europe, were they they not women? Everyone was saying the, the women are doing unbelievable stuff for women's football. Now, I've seen a guy there, Beth England, who plays for England, I've seen her tweet saying, rubbish, got a man's game. Well, I don't mean to be funny, Beth, but it was a man's game. As equally, when you played in the summer, that was a women's game. You didn't have players coming out, like, say, for instance, and I'll just pick a player out of the air, like Declan Rice say. You didn't have Declan Rice saying, you know, that's scandalous." that? Why, why are you saying it's women's football? Because it fucking is women's football. And that was men's football yesterday. So I just feel at the minute, you, the, what what the women's football has done in the summer was outstanding for women's football. And they all deserve, all the accolades and the credit they get. It's been unbelievable for the women's game. But don't try and steal and jump on everybody's bandwagon just to try and create stuff just for your own agenda. What Soon has said and done it was absolutely bang on. It's It was men's football going at it, men kicking shite out of each other, men squaring up and fighting at each other. So that that's it. it that's his comments. What's wrong with that? What is wrong with it? You know, come on, the the, world, the world's that bad now, mate, that now I'm going to stop the train and get off. <laughs> it's like, you know, come on. I mean, I don't know your thoughts, but she, I think that she's embarrassed herself with that tweet. I think that she needs to have a long, hard look and just think, you know, if she sits down logically, it, it was a man's game of football. I, I
0: think, do you know what? I, I thought long and hard about this. And I think when these type of accusations are thrown about, and first things first, I don't think there is anything remotely wrong with what Graham Sooner said. He was commenting, like you said, on a man's game. And he's talking about the physicality, the physical side of the game, which we've just spoke about has been more prevalent in this season than it was last season because that they are trying to let the game flow more. So it was a throwback to when he would have played, when it was more physical, when you played, when it was more physical. So what he means there, when you talk about a man's game, he's it, just talking about um, you know, uh, fellas standing up and, and and being more physical, more aggressive. And, and that was plain to see in the game yesterday. When he calls it a man's game between two teams of men, that is not to the detriment of women. I think the, the problem I have with this type of stuff, and like you said, so proud of of everything that happened in the, in the women's Euros fantastic for the game. And I hope it creates pathways for girls to have equal opportunities in football moving forward. That's that's what we all want. And that's what women deserve. 100%. I personally think when these type of accusations and people clamber to take offense for silly little things like this, I actually think it does their case more harm than good. And, and to not go off on a bit of a bit of a, uh, tangents you can have it in, in my opinion with the same things like racism I, i've spoke to you about it personally my, my son is um is mixed race and i don't even think i'm allowed to say mixed race now of mixed heritage um and he's faced things like that in his life and trying to have those conversations where look this is something that's racist this isn't something that's racist if we start making claims and get offended about stuff that isn't actually racist or isn't actually derogatory to women or sexist. I think it actually does the the, the case more harm than good. So I just think we're on very dodgy ground here because you don't want it to become women pitting themselves against men. I think it should be one big family supporting and building each other up, not looking to take sly cheap shots over something that really isn't an issue.
1: Do you, know the, do you know the problem with, with it at the minute, Jane? And as you say, now, it's going to do more harm to the women's football if they keep jumping on this bandwagon because the men's game is the men's game. The women's game is the women's game. You know, mm-hmm. folk. If the, I would love not more to see the women's game build up and, you know, every every young girl should be allowed to play football whenever wherever they want, the, exactly the same as every young boy. You know, there should be no difference in that. But I just everybody in this world and it just seems to be a lot of the the women footballers who were superbly successful they're, they're just looking to be offended they're, they're desperate to look for some sort you know everyone just is offended by the smallest little thing my wife said this on twitter this morning you're terrified to, you're terrified to say anything mm-hmm. you're terrified to say like you know what to say i keep hoping on about the ufc get you know what so what, what happens with that then? If, if we're not allowed to say the men's game and when the UFC women's are fighting, we're not allowed to say the UFC women. What what, what do you say? What, what's the right thing now? Just these humans.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I just, I'll be honest. I just, when I was saying, talking about my own son there, I was like, geez, I can't say mixed race. So I felt that I have to like correct it and try and say it we're just on dodgy ground and just because you know and you've got to look at generational there's so many things that are wrapped up in this there's obviously generational things people can say things without meaning to cause offense or harm but it just feels like as a society everyone is so uptight about things that that the first the first thing is to do is, is to leap to towards offense rather than understanding and everybody knows With the context that Graham Soonash used those terms yesterday, it was absolutely perfect and fitting within the context of a man's game between two teams of men. Enough of the nonsense, surely.
1: Mate, the world's going crazy, but as you say, it's like we're talking about this girl's tweet more than what the actual game was. The game was unbelievable. It was a man's yeah, the game was unreal. You had you know tackles flying in you know, players having a go at each other, managers and everything. So Wallace Graham Sooner said it was like, it was a proper men going to war in a game of football. What is wrong with that? It's like the two easily... And this Beth England, honestly, you know, they've done great. I I think personally, she looks stupid now because it's it's just kind of like I really want to be offended and brilliant he's offended me now I'm going to tell the world that he's offended me and I've I've seen some of the comments I went through because I actually wrote back and just said it was it was a men's game of football you know it was two two men playing football what did you want him to say it was like People who identified as carrots this week were playing football. Oh, Jesus. You know, you're on. doing well. Let's Honestly, not... <laughs> know,
0: <laughs> you're doing good. You're doing good. Let's leave it there because we're yeah. on a dodgy, dodgy path. Yeah. There's actually a question that I want to finish on before we move to United. And I feel bad because Murph... Yes, time United, listen, uh, <laughs> we, we, Yeah, we'll get, we're definitely going to United next. But quickly before... He actually sent us a question in, uh, Murph, and he wanted to know... And it's off the back of, obviously, the managers clashing. Um... In your opinion, what has been the greatest bust-up or feud between managers?
1: Do you know what, mate? I'm, I'm, I think you'll do well to go as, bet, as good as that one <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> what? You know, it, it's kind of like I know it's fresh in the memory, but I know that you had Wenger and Ferg had a bit, and then Wenger had a little head to head with uh, Mourinho when he was at Chelsea. But as that yesterday, I don't. I, I'm not too sure that will get topped. I think that that's. For me, that's the standout. I'd love to see that in a celebrity boxing match, to be fair. I know my memory would be on as well. I'm going Conte all day. (laughs) But,
0: um, yeah, it's funny because I was thinking when the question came in, I was thinking back, and like you, you can think of with the Fergie and and Wenger thing, it wasn't that they naturally squared up. You just knew there was deep-rooted dislike for over the years. But it's more based on, I think, being good competitors. I think they've gone on to be friends afterwards. And I think Mourinho and, and Wenger was different. I don't mm. think they would be on each other's Christmas card no, list. I think it was I there was hatred
1: there. Yeah,
0: genuine hatred, clash of styles. I think the only ones, the other ones I can think of as well, again, maybe it's a bit of recency bias. Arteta lost his head at Anfield. Um, and it's so funny, you're looking at that all or nothing documentary and he's yeah. doing all, you know, the big speakers around yeah. the pitch to try and tell his players to stay calm. And he absolutely, head absolutely falls off. He ended up being him. our biggest
1: cheerleader. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: so yeah, that was one. But yeah, I think it, you'll be hard pushed to see two managers lose it to that level. Have you, ever, have you ever known anything in your dressing rooms where whether it's manager to manager or manager to player, has there ever been people, must have been people coming to blows back in the day?
1: Yeah, you've had bust-ups and everything in the changing rooms. Not, not on uh, major than that, but um, uh, you know, I think the the one at Leicester City was Trevor Benjamin and uh, Collymore. Wasn't it? What uh, happened there? Benji just basically bingoed Collymore.
0: Did he? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I <laughs> what about was that over? Benji. I'd, uh, to be honest with you, I'd, I'd signed the week the week after that, I think. But like, yeah, Collymore was um, he he was he wasn't fit or something. So they played in the reserve game, and Benji Benji was a big big boy and then yeah. um, anyway they squared up and he just would pop and yeah yeah so, don't really? mess the problem up, was solved game over mate <laughs> <laughs> full,
0: t- full time <laughs> <laughs> love it um right so we're going to come on to your favorite topic which is manchester united um i have to say i was in total shock watching that game, um, and we're obviously going to dis- dissect a few parts of this, um, they, they were so poor in so many ways, but I feel like so many of the ways that they were poor could have been avoided, if that makes sense. So we'll we'll go into each of them in isolation in a second, but what from your side, what was your initial reaction, A, when when watching the game, but I suppose then some of the fallouts afterwards, what have you made a bit of it?
1: Initial, my initial thoughts when I seen the team sheets, was, I think he's fucked up here. You know what yeah. you get with Brentford. You know what you get. The, the stadium is basically on you. It's on top of you. It's only a small ground, but they're really close and they're on top of you and they're very vocal. And the manager, I, I love the manager, by the way. Yeah. He's kind of like gets them going and he's a bit of a cheerleader for them. I think he's very, very good. He knows exactly what he's got and he knows how to utilise it and he knows how to get the best out of them. Brentford are a, Big side, they're a big, physical, powerful team. So, when I seen United side and I looked through and I was like, You've got two six foot players in your whole side, you've got Harry Maguire and you've got Ronaldo. And then I'm looking at the Brentford side and they've got seven or eight. What could possibly go wrong?
0: Yeah,
1: but on a serious note though, I'm kind of like a side that's going to do long throws, free kicks. Corners, set plays, put the ball under your crossbar, you you've got you've got to see that and adapt to that. So then it brought me to thinking then, I'm not too sure this manager's cut out for it. Mm-hmm. And I know this is early, Jamie. I know this is the, and I might get a bit of abuse for this, but I just think that if you've got an ounce of an ounce about you coming new into the Premier League, and you're meant to be this big wonder super coach. You've got to know the basics of who you're playing. You have to know what type of side Brentford is. Man United fans slaughter McTominay, whatever. But he's a big, strap and powerful unit. Who did they? Who did they slaughter there? What was his name? McTominay is it?
0: Oh yeah, no, he's it. Okay, did they get it right?
1: Yeah, no, Ooh, it was, was okay. dubious. But go on. <laughs> you know, you, you have to play him in that game. You have to. Veran, you know, hasn't at the best of times. You play him. You know, you've got the other centre halves, Lindelof. Surely, to God, you you say right. These are these have got five or six six foot plus at least, hmm. possibly seven or eight at least six foot players. You've got to you've got to try and match them phys- physically first, and just say like you know if if our backs against the wall, we'll match them. We'll stand up against them. We'll edit. We'll kick it. We'll clear it. Then we'll have the quality to pass it round, and then we can play our football. But You've got to do the basics first, mate. I mean, I I'm gonna go on record now, and I'm saying I think this manager is not what everybody thinks he is. It's, it's funny you say that because, and
0: yeah, it is early to start writing people off, but I would look, I'd be similar to yourself in that looking at that game, there was two things. Firstly, I agree with you completely. The size, um, you know, you've got McTominay, whilst he's not a favourite, put him in the side. If you've got Miran there, you know, serial winner, tall, physical, can help with uh, with the aerial bombardment that was about to ensue. And everybody knew that that was what was going to happen. So yeah. that, that is a worry that that's not been picked up on. And then the second piece, and we've spoke about this at length, is, and we've you could actually go back and quote a podcast where we spoke about, if you play Ericsson and Bruno Fernandes, in a midfield three, you are asking for trouble. And I think I tweeted it out in advance of the game. I was like, they're, they're not gonna offer enough protection. As I'm as I, I'm I'm a novice. I don't know five percent of you know if that of what these elite coaches do. And I'm looking at that mid if you were playing against that midfield three day you'd be licking your lips, going, We we oh. can steamroll these. So these are two, this isn't needing all your badges to, to know that these are two big glaring areas that could cause United problems and look I must caveat all of this by saying it's like that what is it that they saying about you, everyone's got a plan till you get punched in the face and David De Gea has basically threw a ball into his net at the worst possible time give the crowd a boost and then United are up against it so that there is the context of that but still going into that game I don't think the manager has done himself any favours by selecting that side. And it just means that the vultures are just like, oh, hello, we might we might have a little something here. And, and once you see that chink in the armoury, that's all people need to, to, to pile on.
1: We've spoke about, I've spoke about Bruno Fernandes ever since he became become a Manchester United player. And I've said, even when he was scoring all of these goals, I've said it from day one, he does not get in any top six side in a majority of the leagues in Europe, I'd go as far as to say. Mm-hmm. The lads cheat and he, he was allowed to cheat under the previous management, but now he's asked to play a role. He, he can't do it. He can't do it. He is an. He, I thought he was absolutely woeful and he has been for a long time for United. And I'm we've said to Jamie, we actually said on the podcast, that how can you if you're if you're Man City or Liverpool or a Chelsea or a Tottenham who midfielders. And not only quality on the ball, but they can do the hard yards. You see Bruno, you see yeah. Bernardo Silva. Um, it was West Ham. They were tuning up at West Ham in like the 89th minute. The game's cruising and he's sprinting back into his, his left-back area doing slide tackles to regain possession. You will never see Ericsson or Bernardo Silva, uh, ben, uh, Bruno Fernandes do that. Never in a million years. So not only are these top side midfielders, they're unbelievable on the ball, but the, the so athletic and physical and Man United's, I mean, I would actually wouldn't mind playing in midfield against Fernandes and Eriksen because I know they're not really going to go that way and if they do go that way, they certainly will be coming back that way with me. Yeah, an so opportunity just, will open up if they yeah, do. Yeah, and you're kind of like, you know, I honestly, man, I think that this, I think the managers got away with it like this results on the weekend or do because I think a lot, as you've just said then, a lot of this could have been sorted by playing the right physical side. Man United have got some big, Big boys in their squad, mm. but to play that side, I mean, come on! And the other thing you look at it as well is look.
0: Whilst, and we're going to come on to it next in terms of the, the other problems, so the the you know the recruitments, uh, you know the the board level, the owners, all that that stuff. But by all accounts, Martin uh, Martinez has, has been Martinez has been uh, Ten Hogs signer. He's played a game there. He's dropped the bollock against Brighton, and look, we're saying this. It's, it's going to take time to adjust you see this with all all top players um but he's dropped a, a couple of bollocks against Brighton you're looking at this game he's been hooked at half time this is the manager's player what what is this saying in that he's had full power to go and get this player and two games into his Manchester United career he's pulling him off at half time again it's this is it's not a good look
1: it's not and bit... I think this goes back to the recruitment. And we've spoken. The memes are great, by the way,
0: aren't they, mate? The, the little fellas running around. Oh, the, they
1: are, mate. I mean, you know, it gives everyone a voice on social media, but some of these about him are brilliant. If you in the wrestling one where he just slaps the little thing? Yeah. <laughs> going back to, I mean, we had a private conversation about this when I, I actually put uh, in our WhatsApp group and said, without being disrespectful to him, I'd actually never heard of him. He wasn't one of them where you were thinking, Oh, he's been linked. You were young centre halves super becoming centre halves playing in Italy, France, wherever, and you're like, Yeah, he must be decent to him. I'd actually not heard of him. There was no one like there was no one linked to him or he wasn't I mean? on any wish list. Yeah, he's on not on anyone's big radar. And this is where I think the way our Ten hours getting away with it is He's not. He's not got the silence what he's been promised or he thought he would have. So he's gone back to what he knows and who he yeah, knows. His comfort blanket. And I think that is, this is going to bite him on the ass in a in a huge way because the Dutch league is not the greatest league in the world. And I think he's now he's now getting found out. I mean, fifty-five million pound for this lad at the minute is looking as bad as the eighty million for Maguire.
0: Yeah, and, and another decision off the back of uh, I suppose these kind of looks like square pegs round holes. The the big one for me, and it was a question that came in from Sean Patton um, around David de Gea and should they have kept Henderson? You're looking at this now the way that de Gea is playing, they're trying to get him to play out from the back. He's he's never been that type of goalkeeper. You know, Sean's uh, question was, you know, should they have potentially kept Henderson? I I'm looking at that yesterday, and yes, David de Gea has flapped. He's on huge wages they're trying to get a goalkeeper that's not particularly comfortable with his feet to play out I mean that that yesterday when he played it into Christian Eriksen, I mean we do this with our our 10 year olds you want them to play out and, and, and be comfortable and confident um you know and if you're not giving the right type of options to receive the ball then it's more we say always say it's more on the person for the team for not giving him the option. I'll be honest, Christian Eriksen wasn't an option there. He hadn't pulled into space to receive the ball. You could see that uh, Brentford had their trigger. Everything was set perfectly. And they're thinking, play it and play it and please play it. They were just like a coiled spring ready to go. David De Gea's got to have a bit more cop on there to go. This isn't one of those instances. And I nearly think that the centre-backs had pulled wide and there was a little clip onto a centre-back. There was was different options there. The goalkeeper's got to be making better decisions than that
1: there. Look, if a manager wants to play a certain way, that's fine. But as a as an ex-player, if if that's not on, I'll make my own decision. Yeah. I'll take a bollock off the manager. and I'll just say fuck you. Wasn't on. Mm. But I'll make that decision when the ball's seventy yards away from my goal. This is a Spanish international goalkeeper who's played god knows how many games in his career. You know, I mean, let's be honest. If he if he hasn't got the character to knock this ball long and just think. Fuck you! It's not on. And if the manager has a go with him at halftime, just go. Nah, no. I'll sit down with you on Monday and I'll show you the video what i seen. And if I'm wrong, I'll say yeah. I've got my. I've got that. I fucked up. I should have played it into them. Mm. But just because your manager says this is how we play, you've got to take the responsibility. There's of got right. to be some
0: in-game management as well. has got to
1: be, you know, these are top elite plays. Mm. You know. I wouldn't knock a ball into my, into my centre midfield play with a man right up his arse and two men round him, unless it was Scott Gemmell who just do it anyway and get out of it. <laughs> but my point is, is, there's got to be some sort of character in these plays to say, it's not on, I'm not doing it. If the manager's unhappy with it, I'll deal with it at half-time or on Monday morning when we do the analysis.
0: Yeah. It's funny because the one thing that's come out the back of this game is that, and I've said this before, it's something that irks me is, Gary Neville on his soapbox, and Ugh. and he, it's getting it's getting worse. I mean, this he's obviously come out now, and he, he's Carragher called it in, in when he was trying to um, wind him up pre-game. As he'll soon be out slagging off the, the Glazers. Look, I I might be wrong here, and I'm happy for, for for fans of United to comment on the social pages and inform me, and we'll have discussions. You know, I, I'm happy to be corrected here, but. It just seems to me when Gary Neville's coming out and he's blaming the Glazers, it whilst they are not ideal owners, but we'll go through a list in a minute of owners and you tell me who are ideal owners because all of them have got defaults, but he's blaming the the Glazers. They have put a billion. Now, we'll get into a conversation of where's that money come from in a minute again, but on the squad and the players, they have spent, give or take, a billion there or thereabouts. They have recruited poorly. That is a different conversation. But the club has been given money. Yes, they're not taking money out of their own pockets and putting it into the club. But they have still been given money to recruit players. They've just recruited criminally. I think more of the conversation should be personally around the players. Are you telling me that Manchester United side wasn't good enough to beat Brentford there? It was. You've got, for some reason, Harry Maguire seems like an easy target. A lot of the time we've said this, There's people like Bruno Fernandes there who's walking around, throwing his arms around. He doesn't want to know when the going gets tough. If he was in the trenches, he would walk the other way. He's not that type of player. You've said it. I've said it. We can see it. He just doesn't seem to have that type of um, attitude and application within him. If you build a team around him and, and let him cheat, he'll score you loads of goals. But that's not what Manchester United need at the moment. Then you've got a figurehead, Cristiano Ronaldo. Everyone outside of Manchester could see that that was going to go tits up at some point. You know, it's it's not what that club needs at the moment. So when Gary Neville sat there and he's moaning about the owners, it just seems like that's an easy get out. And I feel like the players are getting away scot-free here because that, they're, they're not applying themselves. And you've got, I'm on a bit of a rant here, right? So I'm going to try and pull something up on my phone. I think we were talking about, I'm, I'm not a big fan of total distance covered as a, as a metric because... There could be low. Load, there's loads of context to that. Um, but when we're looking at, I suppose the the, the pressing um, and the desire of the the, the Manchester United players, they, they are criminally behind Brentford in terms of their ability to press, their ability to try and win that ball back. I think I shared it in the WhatsApp group yesterday. I'm just trying to pull it up. It could be a case that could be thrown
1: here that Man United players just don't seem to want this enough. That that's a fact, isn't it? I mean, the, the one thing, but me, even me as a player, when you were having a, when you were having a tough time and your confidence was low, you you know, you you certainly you wouldn't work harder, but your work rate certainly wouldn't dip. Mm. You know, you'd, you'd sprint them extra five yards and you'd try and build your confidence and you'd hope that something would click for you. But Man United run fifteen kilometers less than Brentford, and that for me is absolutely criminal and it shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, um, mate. So I've got the I've got the stats. I was trying to pull it there,
0: right? So I just want so on that uh, we have got total distance that you just said. So look on a Brentford versus United match stats. Total pressures from Brentford seventy-one to Manchester United forty-six. The telling one for me is pressures in the final third. Brentford twenty-one, Manchester United seven. Then pressures leading to a final third turnover so winning the ball in the final third. Brentford eight, Manchester United four. That for me is more telling than total distance because that's yeah. desire to go win that yeah. ball back.
1: It is, it is, and this this is the issue. Like the players are getting away with it, you know, far too easy. And this is what I said to you about the manager. No, no one's mentioned. There wasn't a single article in in any papers. You know, I see him one way saying ten out feels like he's being two under the bus. Well, I think ten out to himself under the bus on the weekend, uh, the bus under the weekend with this with the side he selected, and just going back on uh, Gary Neville. All you get from Gary Neville is the owners, the owners, the owners, you know, they haven't threw any of their own money in. Well, because you can't do that no more. You know, I'd like to know how much money Gary Neville's, from his own personal pocket, has put in at Salford. I bet it's not a fucking bean. I bet Mm. he's not put a penny of his own money in Salford. Tony Lim, who is the actual owner, probably has. Gary Neville's not put a penny in at Salford. Gary Neville has not actually transferred any money from his bank into Salford's bank account to go and sign players. Why should the Glazers? You've got the biggest football global phenomenal in the world and i've seen a quote and i think i mentioned this last week in the podcast with Sammy jordan they're in 500 million pounds worth of debt on a on a, a company what's worth 5 billion it's like 10 percent of the actual company but it's in debt and he's like he's, he's a much better, bigger businessman than what i'll ever be and he's like that's brilliant mm-hmm. if your business is only 10 in debt, you're flying so what's the issue with the Glazers taking money out every manager of the Glazers have employed They've had the best players you could possibly bring in and they give them the biggest wages. What nobody Man United's method is, uh, method is to go and get the best players in the world and if somebody else wants them, we'll just give them 400 grand a week. Mm. Now, See, the,
0: the, we had a question that come in from Hawkes Bay on, on this particular point and he was asking about ownership models and what makes good owners. And, and you said that it seems like the gripe at the moment with United fans is, well, the owners aren't putting in their own money. Well, if you look at it, Liverpool's owners don't. Liverpool's model has always been we put in what we raise through transfers now that you know Liverpool fans stamp their feet a lot about that but it's a sustainable model that has brought success and whilst it's brought some frustration in that we're not playing football manager and just buying anyone that we want Liverpool work within a model and the owners have always been clear about that Spurs ownership definitely don't Daniel Livy is is tighter than a uh, what could I say there? What would you say? Tighten it. I, I got some abuse last week because I come. I said flat as a witch's tit, which was a <laughs> which was a random saying. But uh, he's tight anyway. We'll say. Um, Arsenal's owners don't. Chelsea's new owner is this window, but he's already said that he wants to move to a self-sustainable model, which is what this 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 whole point is. Is a lot of these businesses want to get to a self-sustainable model. I would argue that it's only City's owners who do it and will continue to do it because they have a a money printing machine in the back office and and money is no object to them. So I I don't know what they want. I, I genuinely don't know what they want. My issue for United would be more about putting football people in football positions, build a proper recruitment team, put in a director of football, don't have businessmen running a football club, have football people making football decisions and giving that information to the business people. That just seems common sense to me.
1: Well, it is. I mean, you, you, you know, it it does drive me insane a little bit because I've I do I actually feel a little bit sorry for the Glazers because they're trying to get Man United back to where they was uh, ten years ago or whatever. And I think what what they're doing is they're trying to to fund everything to, through the transfers and get the best players and they possibly and they have took at with the eye of the ball with the, you know the stadium. The stadium does need a bit of TLC. The training ground, which ten years ago was the best that I've ever seen in my life, but. You know they haven't really updated that, but what what do the Man United fans want them to do? Because if the if they start repairing Old Trafford and repairing the training ground, well then the transfers won't be getting as much, and then the team will be even worse than what it is. As you've just said, then they need football people in football operation jobs where make and they make football decisions, and then they go to the powers that be and say, "We want X, Y, Z to sign for us. These are the reason we want them to sign for us, and we just need you to sort the funds out." But Man United, and we've said this a long time, it is kind of a scattergun approach They try and get the most expensive player each transfer window, and that's all that comes to them, and it's not, it's not working. Um, they're in trouble.
0: Two things I want to finish on. Right. Uh, first one is so one's a listener question, and, and one I just want to get your, your steer on. Something in the news that's, that's made a bit of uh, bit of column inches was Stephen Gerrard's decision to remove tyrone mings as villa captain he's uh, he was dropped for the first game of the season then he was restored um to the lineup and, and to be fair i thought he played well made a fantastic yeah. latch latch uh, last ditch tackle um towards the end of the game uh or, or Good result for Villa, I have to say, in that game, I actually thought Everton looked a little bit more stable. I, I think they look a lot more solid. They just need a, they, they need a striker. So so painfully obvious. Um, but I, I thought you could get a good gauge on wo- where both sides are at. What have you made of, of that? Because it's, it's a ballsy decision for Steven Gerrard to make. Uh, he's obviously come out and said, look, Tyrone was not my captain. I want to put my own stamp on things. He's not shied away from it. What have you made of that and, and what type of impact do you think that could have on a dressing room?
1: I think it's the right decision. I'm not a big fan of Tyron I mean, Mint. I don't think he's I don't think he's a tough light like, defender, full stop. I, I, you know, he will make mistakes, he will give you chances in every single game. Um Gerard just he needs to come in and he's he's come in and he's signed plays and he needs to put his own stamp in it. And if somebody is not going to be in not so much in your plans, but it's not going to be playing week in, week out. He can't be your captain, you know. McGlynn for me is a, he's a great choice, you know. we McGlynn, well. yeah, What's McGlynn, What's McGinn. McGinn. there you go. I love that. Was I love the, that was the easiest name that you've ever I know. got wrong. I know. Him, anyway, <laughs> you know, he's he, he's he smells of captains and he, he works his bollocks off. Everything's for the team. He's got like a good work ethic. He's got the nice bit of quality about him. He's a good footballer and. He's going to play week in, week out. I thought, look, it's a big decision. But managers live and die by the big decisions. Um, yeah, the problem what Gerrard's got is he's is one of the the centre-half last week, it, it struggled like, so he's dropped in, and his big sands looks like he's got a bit of a, <laughs> a bad injury up the centre-half, <laughs> he? so he's actually going to have to go to Tyrone Mings, and, and the effect it can have in the changing room, it is, and it's meant to have happened, I've heard whispers about it, is that Tyrone Mings a little bit, doing a few little naughty things and snide little things, and it, it, but you we don't know Chinese whispers Chinese whispers mate yet so that's the other thing what you've got to be careful of making a big decision like that is that you don't get a little um, splinter pack you know someone who's not else and they get a little group who's both not playing two or three of them aren't playing and they cause a little bit of unrest and it can happen it can happen like that and it can turn a changing room very quickly
0: Yes, but it's it's funny now. You hear managers say it a lot. I mean, it must be so hard to please. Well, I know managers try not to please. Manage uh, dressing rooms. It's more about the, the the big characters that you put in your team. They they please the dressing room. But you know, in, in this day and age now, it's it's only one wrong comment, and you could lose fifty yeah. percent of the dressing room. It must be um, must be a tough place, right? So I want to finish off on um, a question that I was meant to ask last week from a listener, Fred Flunk, um, and he wants to know what is your opinion on adults wearing football kits um, and what is your thoughts on buying knockoff kits and gear
1: yeah When's the I'll
0: last don't... footy top you bought uh
1: the new liverpool one for frankie <laughs> <laughs> but for me personally i've yeah. never the last football kit I bought was the last game i've ever, <laughs> I've ever played <laughs> really yeah. Uh, yeah i'm not a football uh, kit wearing uh, never, never will be. I don't know. I don't know What's why. your opinion
0: not... on adults wearing them? Do you think it? Do you think it becomes an age where you're like, ah, oh, come on, lads?
1: Do you know what? It's never really like kind of bothered me. I mean, I think if if fellas go on a game that you know and they've got the Liverpool top on, just they go going the game. It's just like I've not really got an opinion, right or wrong in it. It's just if, you know, if you want to wear the football kit to go and watch your team play, you know, crack on, get on with it. it, yeah, got, I... it, it doesn't really bother me at all.
0: Yeah, I, I only really get a little bit bothered when you see, you know, these kits are designed for kids, right? And they're all, you know, they're a bit they're a bit mad, some of them now. Usually the home kits are pretty safe, but then they might try something a bit yeah. more risque with the the away kit or the third kit. And you see grown ups, you know. Big beer bellies on them, 50 years old, yeah. slagging off the kits. On, and I'm like, hold on, mate, These are not designed <laughs> for you, for you <laughs> to walk around and sprayed on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that that's more my complaints. I actually, for the first time, I'm not really a, a big kit uh, buyer for myself. Obviously, I get them for my lad. But uh, I bought the new Liverpool one this season. I thought uh, it was a, they'd done a, a nice job on it. I would wear it to go to game. I'm more of a... Um, a training kit person. So I've got a lot yeah. of the Liverpool training gear that I'd wear a lot and I pretty much spend 99% of my life in shorts and flip-flops. So yeah, yeah, anything training kit related thoughts on the knockoff, you know, these DH gates and the likes of that. Would you, would you be getting some of those for the kids? Cause obviously you know, if you're getting three kits for a kid a season, it's getting expensive these days.
1: It is to be fair. And that, the thing is the, the kids nowadays, they expect it as well. And everyone's circumstances mate. So, you know, I'm just of the opinion, uh, Look, if it makes your kids happy, you do what you have to do. If you have to get them three knockoff kits, you crack on and get them as long as the kids are happy with them. That's all that can for me, mate. But yeah. well, What I will, will say, mate, is the Liverpools, um, when I first seen it, I was like, oh, mate, that's a bad kit. You know, like the, the, the white, white one. White Looks one. good on the players, doesn't it? Oh, mate, listen, I tried to get it yesterday for Frankie. I was like, this kit is unbelievable. I'm actually, yeah. that might be the kit I buy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and I hated it when I seen it. I was like, that's shocking. But The see and I see kids buy ours, and you're like, That kid's unbelievable, it's all right, yeah, yeah. So, and plus, now you're big on your peloton,
0: aren't you? So, give it a couple of weeks, mate. You'll be you have your six pack out in that new white jersey, oh, yeah. you'll be looking to business.
1: Long sleeve, medium. Here we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, tag, that's
0: enough from us. What are we Brilliant, now? Mate. An hour, um, uh, enjoyed that. Uh, hopefully, we didn't offend too many people with, uh, with some of the comments as always. We just try and be as honest as we can. Um, yep. We say in the in the social uh, social page that it's an unfiltered podcast, so we're just trying to be as honest and and uh, hopefully nobody took offence. Um, you got anything coming up for the week, mate? Any
1: what's going on? No, quite, mate. Uh, next week, um, Fr- Frankie's four at the end of the month, so we're flying off to Disneyland Paris next oh. week for four nights with him. So oh, lovely! Looking, for- looking forward to that, mate. Because we not got- we haven't been able to get away for the summer because Jack. I started with Burnley, so I just kind of like, you know, he's moved home and all that. So it's only down the road, but I just thought he'd put away and he gets a little bit, which he hasn't done, to be fair to the kid, but I just, I'd just i rather be close to home if he just says, Dad, look, I'm feeling a bit homesick and I can just to. shoot down and take him for a bit of bite to eat or go and knock some balls at the driving lane. So we're just going to uh, Disneyland with Frankie next week. Lovely. Um and how, how's Jack getting on? Is he going all right? He's doing well, mate. Beat, he had a little uh, he picked up a bit of a strange injury, so he trained for the first time on Thursday last Friday last week. Um didn't think he was going to be involved in a game on Saturday, but he he uh he come on for thirty minutes and done well, so he's back full training now this week. So um he's got Redden away on Saturday and he's trying to get me to go down to watch. You will be coming. Uh, you gone. know as well as I go. <laughs> <laughs> you try,
0: try to play it cool. We'd both, we'd both be there. No, I'll oh, be gone. <laughs> no hesitation. Uh, right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, I have to say, like, the, the, the social pages have been absolutely buzzing over the last few weeks. Uh, it's been really good to see that, that people are enjoying it. The feedback's been been fantastic. Um, as always, please do keep that coming. If you don't mind, and I will say it at the end of every show, but if you could... Uh, subscribe to our youtube channel uh, we're nearly at a thousand subscribers now so if you could subscribe leave us any feedback tell a mate uh, as always let us know what you think of each of the shows we really do enjoy hearing all your feedback after each show uh, but more importantly with that enjoy the rest of your week look after yourselves and we'll be back with you again next week on the boot room podcast all the best cheers, pal. cheers pal. All the best.